Hello, good people of the 22 Mysteries Podcast Universe. How are y'all doing today? Well, we are talking about an issue today that is really impossible to not talk about. If you have a podcast about hip-hop and you have a podcast about activism and you have blended those two things together into one podcast, there is no way that we can't talk about this issue. Now, I'm sure you saw it in the title, but we are talking about hip-hop and the fashion industry and its effect on the planet. Roll that intro. This is sicker than your average, average. This is the 22 Mysteries Podcast with your host, Sean Hamilton. I might just persuade you to love hip-hop just a little bit more. I just believe that it is the voice of the people, man. The effects of music, specifically hip-hop music. How activism can be a part of the culture. Four elements of hip-hop can be taken around the world to make this world a better place. All right, welcome back, welcome back. So, jumping right into it, we're talking about the fashion industry and hip-hop and how it is affecting the planet. Now, this issue is so intertwined with hip-hop culture because of the fact that hip-hop, I mean, it is a, it, it, the fashion industry and hip-hop was this kind of beautiful marriage because of the fact that hip-hop has become this very peacocking genre of music, entertainment, influencers, entertainers, personalities. Everybody wants to be the flashy one, right? Everybody wants to outflash the last guy or girl, right? So this whole marriage, this union of hip-hop and fashion was, for business, a no-brainer partnership. It makes complete sense, and it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of dollars. It makes a lot of people really, really, really wealthy. But at what cost? So right now, we're going to dive into the true cost behind hip-hop and fashion's union. So I recently watched, in the research for this episode, I recently watched a documentary on Netflix called The True Cost. Now, The True Cost talks about the fashion industry and what the true cost is for this high fashion, right? This whole concept of kind of churning and burning clothes. Now, there was a quote uh, in there from this like 1950s advertiser. I forget his, I, you know, I forget his name. But the idea is, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I thought it was just a, uh, it was a brilliant business concept. However, when you think about the true cost of what this actually means, it's really horrible for the planet. But what it really was talking about was that there's two things, there's two types of things you can sell. Things that people use and things that people use up and have to buy again, right? So if you take your car, for example, you use your car, you buy that car and you use it and you continue to use it. Your toaster oven, you buy that toaster oven, you use it and you continue to use it. It has more than just one use. But things like candy, food, perishable items, right? Cigarettes, all those types of products that people are selling. Well, you use those up and you need to go buy more of them. And so what they were trying to do even back then, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, was to twist what people use 
into being what they use up. So really what the fashion industry has done was twist what you use. I could buy a pair of jeans and a shirt and have something to wear. If I wore the same thing, I could wear that every day of the year. Except the fashion industry wants you to buy and buy and buy and buy and buy, right? Well, we all know the nasty game of advertising. The nasty game of advertising is trying to make you feel less than. They want to make you feel less than and then they want to slide their product in as the solution to make you feel better about yourself. Now, we all got problems. We all got insecurities. We all got weaknesses that they exploit. Because that is the name of the game when it comes to advertising and selling products and selling services. Is that if I can link my product to the idea in your mind that this product is either going to get you laid, it's going to get you paid, or it's going to help you live longer, chances are there's going to be a lot of people buying that product. Now, that's just the name of the marketing. That's just the name of the, that's just the, name of the game when it comes to marketing and advertising is that we have to connect it to something that you deep down have this desire for or this deep insecurity and we can exploit that. The fashion industry is no different. They spend so much money advertising to make you feel like you're less than if you don't stay up with the trends. If you don't stay up with the latest and greatest, then you are getting left behind. You're not part of the elite inner circle. That's the idea. I know it's overgeneralized, but that is the concept at the behind the scenes of this whole issue is that if they make you feel less than, if they make you feel like you are not worthy to hang out with the in crowd, right? And that's just a sales tactic is to make it seem exclusive, right? They want to make you feel like if you have this, you're going to be exclusive. Then you go out and you buy it and you buy it in droves. I mean, if you go onto YouTube right now and you look up the amount of vlogs that there are right now about fashion, not only about getting their new makeup lines and their new clothes and their new shoes and their new bags and all the stuff that comes with fashion, all the accessories, it is overwhelming how many people out there are totally obsessed with shopping, with buying new stuff. And what they're not conscious of is what the impact of that decision is having on the planet. And that's where the true cost comes in. That documentary was really well done. I know it only has like two stars on Netflix, but don't let that deter you. The story behind it is incredible. The information that is contained within that documentary is invaluable when it comes to helping the consumer understand the cost of their actions of buying in to this new wave of fast fashion. And if you're listening, you don't understand what fast fashion is previous to like the last decade, the fashion industry worked on seasons, right? They worked on seasons, meaning, meaning that they would launch a line with the new like fall colors, the new spring colors, right? The new winter line. They would just they would work trying to get you to buy stuff for each one of the seasons because as the weather changes, we all know, right? The temperature changes and you need clothes to match what the weather is like. Okay, that made sense, 
right? That made sense. If it's cold outside, you live in upstate New York where it gets to like 90 degrees during the summertime and it gets below zero during the wintertime, you know that you're going to need different sets of clothes for those different seasons. It makes sense. But what fast fashion did and this new concept of fast fashion was that these major brands started using each week almost, almost to the day. I would be surprised if there isn't like a, a 365 schedule coming out in a few years because we all know that as technology is advancing, so is culture and the way the business is done and all these different things are evolving to where right now it's like each one of these brands is launching campaigns like every week to sell their new lines of clothes that they got just pumping out. Well, what is going on is that we've been conditioned to buy products at such a cheap price because that makes us feel psychologically like we can afford so much stuff. You can go into a store like H&M, Forever 21, The Gap, all these like big name spots, and you can walk away with a bounty, right? You can get bagfuls of stuff for not that much money. Or at least so you think, but when you spend it every week, you know, that that price tag starts to add up. But the thing is, is that you want to feel like you're the in crowd, like you got the latest and greatest. Everybody wants that new, new, right? No matter what we're talking about. There are people that will wait in line for days to get the new iPhone from from Apple just so they can say that they got it first, right? It's the same thing that makes people feel like they got to go wait in line. To watch the new movie coming out. Everybody wants to say that they were the one that saw it on the opening day. You know, the very first showing of this movie, right? That, that, that aspect psychologically permeates a lot of different aspects of our life. And it's no different in the fashion industry. People want to say they got the new shoe, right? They want to got, they want to, they're the ones that, that are wearing these, that are there, you know, they're flashing out and all of this new clothes. And it is incredibly tied to hip-hop culture right now incredibly tied in fact as i was doing research for this episode because it is something that i feel passionate about because at the underlying i'm gonna have to tie this real quick to the underlying issue behind this and why i feel like it's so important because i believe i truly believe that mother earth is the greatest resource we have and when we exploit it for financial gain i have a problem with that it hurts, right? I can, I can feel that pain because we are, we are u- overusing resources and completely polluting the planet, right? I mean, the first time I found out that the, 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 the plastics was creating this massive island of garbage in the ocean that was like twice the size of my home state, Texas, I mean, I still, I still feel the pain of that. It, like if I really think about that, it disgusts me. It really does in the in the sense of single-use plastic items and all this type of stuff because that is tied to this concept of consumerism that is just using a product but using it up, right? Instead of using a cup that you can buy and use forever, you buy a plastic water bottle but you only use it once and you toss it out. And you think that because you put it in your recycle bin that you did a good thing, except that may not go into the recycled plastics. It may make its way into the oceans because we really have no place to put this. This is a zero sum game, right? Just because, you know, we make it 
there, there really isn't a spot for it. So we just go, what? Dump it on a third world country and it finds its way into the ocean. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And that the fashion industry is the second leading cause of pollution, greenhouse gases, natural resource wastage. I mean, the, the impact that the fashion industry is having on the planet is so substantial and so large that we honestly don't even know the true impact that it's actually having because this, in, this issue is so large. I highly recommend going and watching The True Cost because it is, it is absolutely eye-opening when it comes to this issue of fashion and its effect on the planet. And the reason that I'm talking about it in this podcast is because what I've seen recently within the last decade is artists, hip-hop artists, launching their own clothing line. Now, they're not the only entertainers to launch clothing lines. I totally understand that. But within this community of hip-hop and how I believe that hip-hop can be used to, to create a better world, there are some people within this culture, some people that are icons, that are literally the people at the top of this culture who I believe are making the wrong decisions. And I have to say something about it. Because of the fact that the working conditions of the people who make these products are so horrible and so dire, and yet people like Kanye West are selling their shoes for like $300, $400, $500, right? You go to the the yeezysupply.com or whatever, and you can see that the crazy price tags on these things, right? Just for a classic t-shirt, just a t-shirt is $120, a tank top, $120. A crew neck dress, $500. And these are just plain. They don't really have anything. They're just material stitched into a style. That's it. They're just plain. Like there, there really isn't anything special about this clothing line at all. And yet they're selling sweatshirts for $260, $360 for a freaking zip up hoodie. $360. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, it's crazy to me that it's that expensive. And when you think about where these are being manufactured, right? Now, I don't know exactly where the entire Yeezy line is being made. But what I do know is that when he, when Kanye's line in the Yeezy shoes got partnered up with Adidas, well, Adidas doesn't have the greatest track record, mind you. Just recently, in 2017, they got hit with a sweatshop allegation, Right? Because they're being, these sneakers, these Yeezy sneakers are being made by factory workers who are forced to work excessive hours and they're only paid like $183 per month. So think about that for a second. Just think about that for a second. There, is a, there are workers out there who don't even make enough in a month to buy two freaking t-shirts for the stitches that they're putting on. And when you think about how fast fashion is working and how this fashion industry is exploiting these workers, right? Where these brands are coming in, demanding that they demanding that these factories lower the cost of their goods, lower the cost of manufacturing so that they can get their pair of jeans at like 50 cents each and then order a million and a half of them at 50 cents each and then turn around and sell those same jeans or those same sweatshirts for $250. They're, 
that they paid 50 cents for and that the workers that are making these are working in horrible conditions and they work 60 hours a week, if not more than that, only to make, what, $200 a month? They can't even afford to buy the product that they're making? That shit's crazy. And the reason that I'm tying it to hip-hop is because hip-hop is such a peacocking genre. It is... It was a perfect marriage. And the problem is, is that if we don't like pump the brakes a little bit, this shit's going to run out of control because it's already careening out of control. And that's why I had to bring it to your attention. That's why I had to have this conversation. That's why I have to engage you guys so that we can have a conversation about this and continue this conversation because we have to, we have to get into the culture. We have to understand and have these conversations so that we can hold these people accountable because this is the problem. These major brands, these major brands that are going after partnerships with influencers like a Kanye West is the fact that they don't employ these workers, right? They're not employees of Adidas. So Adidas doesn't have to be accountable to the horrible working conditions, the violations of labor laws, the atrocities that take place. I mean, just a few years ago in Bangladesh, they had a factory collapse and the factory owners knew that the building was not safe and forced their workers to go back in there. Over a thousand people died when that factory collapsed. And that's just one example. And there are countless examples of this happening all over the world. And they're exploiting this workers. And so when Kanye West sits there on Twitter saying some crazy shit about how slavery was a choice. And I know he was talking about American slavery. And as, and as crazy as that is, and I'm not going to address that because that's not, I don't think that that's in my purview to address that. But what I can address is this aspect that when he said slavery was a choice, there's an interesting kind of psychological thing that I think happens when somebody says something like that. Because subconsciously, what I truly believe may have been a part of that statement was that slavery was a choice for him to use slave work to make his Yeezys, to make him rich. He is using slave labor. And it was a choice. A choice that he made and it was the wrong choice. Because he is an influencer. He is somebody who is some that like the whole world knows who he is. When he speaks, people listen. Even when he says crazy shit, people listen. And it's not going to stop his Yeezy line from taking off. You know what I mean? It doesn't stop his Yeezy line. It doesn't stop the sale of shoes. People are going to go out and get them. But the problem is, is that if he's not going to be the one that brings the attention to these problems, he's the person that we need. He's the person, the ally that we need in the position to turn around and say, listen, Adidas, right? Listen, world, we have to do what's right here. If we're going to be so married to fashion, if that's something that the culture is going to continue to do and to continue to allow for and promote, we have to, as a genre, as a culture, as a society, demand that those people that speak for and that are exploiting, we have to demand that they do something about this more than just make money. Because I find it really difficult to judge somebody successful just because they made money. Because when I look at the impact of how they made their money, 
That truly, truly matters. It truly matters how you made your money. I don't care that you made a lot of money. If you made a lot of money on the backs of millions of migrant workers, millions of indentured servants, basically, slaves, children, child labor, because that's the thing. They don't have to be accountable. We tried to pass laws here in America not too long ago, and they shot it down. Because they want to be held to voluntary codes of conduct for their businesses, right? Their businesses, as long as they adhere to this kind of mission statement of saying that, oh, well, we take it serious with the labor laws and we take it serious with working conditions and paying them a basic living wage and all of these types of things. As long as they say that, the majority of people and the consumers that are giving them the coffers and filling their you know, coffers with money. Nobody has to hold them accountable. And that's what's crazy is that we, as the culture, as the influencers coming up, the next generation of influencers out there that may be listening to this, right? If you are an influencer, if you have something that you want to do, if you feel like that's the expression you want to bring to the world, then why not bring a socially conscious way to do it? To where you're not having to press down and oppress other people. Because what I find to be absolutely atrocious is when somebody sits here and talks about oppression. Talks about it in some form of like they're so oppressed and yet they have a $160 million net worth and then turn around, tell everybody else that this is just crazy oppression that's happening to them, while at the same time they're making their money off of the actual oppression of millions of people and not say anything about that. I really have a problem with that. That's crazy. It's like hypocrisy run to the nth degree. And it has to stop, man. We have to, we have to kind of like take a stand and get back to the cultural roots of what it is we're trying to do, which is to make this world a better place. And we have that power. All right. I know I've been talking at you long enough, so I'm going to break up this tension and I'm going to play a song for you. This is going to be a freestyle that I wrote and kind of using a different technique when I was getting into freestyle. And I know that we, uh, we had talked about in a couple episodes back, just the, uh, the kind of the different ways to, kind of learn how to freestyle. I was horrible at it at first. And I started using this technique of just trying to uh, take the things in your environment. That's one of the that's that's one of the tools and techniques that a lot of people use is that they they look around in their environment and they are able to just kind of freestyle out this thought using these kind of uh, the, the images in front of them. Right. Whether they're sitting in a room full of people or they're kind of driving down the road or you just got a whole bunch of stuff in front of you that you try to do. So what I did in practicing this was I just uh, I stacked this huge thing of books right up in front of me and I just tried to use the titles uh, to create a song. So I'm going to play that for you. This is called Stack of Books and we'll come back and we'll continue talking about this issue of fashion and hip hop a little bit more. All right. I'll see you after the break. Yeah. 
let's just see how this goes. So here's a stack of books standing in front of me. I'm trying to create a rhyme scheme, make it funny. Okay, shit, this is how we're gonna do it. The alchemist, shit, I'm just keeping my mind fluid. Do you understand the business behavior I'm in? I'm just asking you fucking questions again. A hundred and one, smart just to ask. In your interview, it will come and save your ass. All I'm trying to do is just engage the marketplace. I don't even know, but shit, get a life, get a pace. Yo, you just gotta pick the pace up The myth it's revisited Yes, your fucking mind is stuck You gotta ask for success if you want it I'm just sitting here Quit getting blunted Enterprise, yo, it's one to one If you put some in You gonna get it back from the sun I promise, dude The execution's proof And all I'm trying to do Is create a vision board just for you Do you understand? Do you walk the fucking walk? Do you walk the fucking talk? Or all you do is bark I don't know what the fuck you're doing in the dark but if you're dreaming of success yes that's the start all i'm gonna do who moved my cheese i don't even know why the fuck would you do that b i'm not sure why you move in my food but shit if you're a true leader you gotta fucking do it too because shit sometimes people need a nudge people need to understand what the fuck is up yo all i'm trying to do is build some high morality in the workplace you wonder why Oh shit, cause there's nine ways of working Everybody has a little bit of difference in them lurking I'm just sitting here trying to connect To this other little black book Yes, it's just a speck drop in the bucket Maybe in the ocean All I'm trying to do is keep this mental fluid motion Ah, fuck And I thought it was just me, but it isn't I'm just learning really now how to see shit Awaken this giant within me And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting here with energy And you can see Right in between all the things I'm trying to do The science of fear is me And I don't really know what is going on But I'm daring to think greatly Yes, my name is Sean Shit, I'm just trying to master the game of money So I can pass it down and just get paid Cause shit, this is just another project of fear Yo, is my vision clear? Alright, welcome back Hope you enjoyed that song That was called Stack of Books I got a picture of that stack of books up on my social medias or, uh, you know, on my website so that if you wanted to go and see if maybe you could spot all of those titles that I used in that stack of books. Um, yeah, it'll be up there for you if you want to check it out. Yeah, the, the, the list of that books was mostly right, mostly in the self-development kind of leadership genre. I got on this kick of just like reading a whole bunch of authors that inspired me, um, because, you know, I try to upgrade the way that I'm thinking about things, just kind of reorganize my thought processes. And uh, one of the books out of that list that I would really highly recommend to you would be Tony Robbins, Money Master the Game. If you haven't read that book, I would I would highly advise it if, uh, you know, if your financial situation is something you care about and want to focus on. He interviews like some of the most wealthy people in the world, the, you know, the people at the top of the financial game. And they give you some insights, man. They give you some some really good tips and tricks to, to be aware of so that you can kind of dispel some of these myths that these financial organizations are using to uh, advertise some of their bogus-ass products. So it would be good for you to know about those so that you can steer clear of those and start utilizing and implementing some strategies to help step your financial game up. That book, really, I, I can't recommended enough. I, I wish it was a required reading when we were kids, man. It was like, uh, it really is that good. 
I wish it was a textbook rather than just a, a, a book to be marketed. Anyway, all right. So we were talking about fashion and hip-hop, its impact on the planet, some of the atrocities that the fashion industry are committing, and how, if we're not careful in the hip-hop community, we are going to we're going to merge and we're going to marry into this family of fashion and we're going to bring along with it. We're going to have to be held accountable for all of those problems that we as a community, as a society, as a culture are going to say is okay. But I don't think that this culture and this community, I don't think that's okay with you because I don't think that exploiting a whole bunch of people a whole bunch of slave labor. I don't think that sits right with anybody. At least those that have a conscious mind and an, em- an empathetic and compassionate heart and want to do good for yourself, for your family, for your neighbors. I don't think that you want to make that money off of the backs of a whole bunch of people that are being exploited, working in horrible conditions and making no money. Nobody really wants to do that. And so... What I don't want to do is just ring the alarm and, and, and you know bring you a problem without also bringing you a solution. Because the, the problem that I find with people that do that is that it kind of allows me an insight. Like if you just bring me a problem without bringing me a potential solution, that's lazy, one. Two, it makes me feel like I'm trying to tell you that it's your responsibility to like fix this problem when that's disingenuous, right? If you bring me a problem and you don't bring me a potential solution so that we can have a discussion about it, I'm not saying that your solution has to be 100% right. I'm not saying that your solution has to be the end-all, be-all solution. But what it needs to do is at least show me that you've thought about this problem enough to look at it and say, well, here is a potential solution so that we can start this conversation, start this discourse, So that we can extrapolate out of this conversation a real solution that works for the future and that works for all the parties involved so that we can start on our path to solving this problem. Now, there's a lot of problems with fast fashion. There's a lot of problems. There's pollution. There is labor concerns, safety concerns for the workers. They're not getting paid proper wages. There's a lot of issues at the heart of this. Right. Where are they sourcing their materials, their raw materials? Right. The fibers that go into your cotton shirt. Is that organic or is that GMO cotton? Do you understand the implications of GMO cotton? Do you understand that in Bangladesh there has been over two hundred and fifty thousand farmer suicides? Because of the fact that the agricultural industry that is behind the fashion industry has its own incredibly large sets of problems? Do you know that? Is that something you care about? Something you'd educate yourself about? These are problems, man. These are all problems. And if I just brought you all these problems and no solutions, it would just feel like the weight of the world is sitting on you. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want you to feel like you're alone in this because you're not. Because the solution has already been out there. Now, when I was over in Southeast Asia, I got uh, a chance to really understand one of the concepts behind 
the fast fashion industry. One of the orga- the organization that I went over and I backpacked with is called Operation Groundswell, and they're an incredible organization out of Canada that put together these these kind of excursions for people who want to see the world but in a different way. Right? We don't go stay at fancy hotels. We don't go stay. You know, we don't go stay in the touristy areas so that all we see are just the kind of consumeristic versions of the countries. What they do is they they provide opportunities for people to go over and they you want to see the culture. So we stay with families in Cambodia. We stayed in villages. We got to work. We got to like help. You know, I got to rebuild this uh, this one family's house that had been dilapidated and destroyed. And all and the crazy part is that the men in this family were, you know. They were killed in that genocide that I had talked about in a previous episode. And I got to be a part of the group that went there and helped rebuild their home. And I call it a home because it is their home for three generations of people that live in this in this village and they live in this home. And yet they didn't have a roof over their head. The floor was all messed up. The walls had holes in it. And one thing that Cambodia has is a massive monsoon season. And so there was this family, three generations, the grandmother, the mother, and their children that were living in this home that didn't have walls, didn't have a roof, and they were going through the monsoon season. So it was a really wonderful opportunity. This organization, Operation Groundswell, provided an incredible opportunity for me to see and give back and to like be a part of, you know, just... One little moment in time where we got to make somebody's, you know, one family's life that much better. And we got to work with organizations on the ground that were that were in that part of the world, in that region, that were doing a lot of really great work. And it, it exposed me to a lot of really great kind of grassroots movements that are taking place in these areas. Now, I got to be a part of this group and one of the leaders of this group she was she was heavily involved with the what a concept that I want to bring to you as the solution to this fashion problem that we have especially in the hip hop culture and the solution is fair trade if you don't know what fair trade is you should look it up because it is really an incredible powerful solution and strategy looking forward now, this this woman that I got to to spend a lot of time with, really great, amazing soul, and she is a part and really heavily involved with the fair trade organizations um, there in not only like the Southeast Asian region, but she brings it all over the world, goes to, you know, all different types of festivals and all and and just raising awareness for not only fair trade but then using that as a part of her business uh to to sell fair trade. Now I just want to give you a little bit of understanding about what these fair trade principles are about, right? Is that what they want is they want to create opportunities for the economically disadvantaged people, right? They want to reduce poverty through trade forms And it's one of the key parts of an organization that supports fair trade is because you want to reduce poverty. You want to give people jobs. You want to pay them them fair wages. That's a huge part of it. 
You know, another principle is that they want to be transparent. They want to be held accountable. They want organizations like I was talking about, like the Adidas and the H&M and Forever 21. We want to have them be accountable, but we also want them to be transparent so that we know as consumers, when we buy their products and their goods and their services, whoever you are, we want to know where those are manufactured, what those conditions that the workers were in so that we as the consumer know where we want to put our dollars so that we know as an activist that when I go and buy something, right? Because not only from the producer side, if I'm going to be an entertainer and I'm going to launch my own clothing brand, right? Not only do I want to participate in the solution in that way, from the manufacturing side, I want to use fair trade organizations so that I know that I'm not exploiting the workers and that I'm paying them a fair wage to make my goods. But on the other side of it, as a consumer, I want to also know that the brands that I'm supporting are also doing the right thing. So that's part of the solution is fair trade is, is, one of the, is, is one of the greatest ways right now that we can help the well-being of these marginalized small producers all over the world. And we don't maximize our profits at their expense because that is part of this problem. It is like the underlying main reason that this thing is so fucked is that we are exploiting millions of people for profit. They're what are called the human capital, and we are not taking care of them at all. We are destroying our planet. We are leaching the soil. We are completely polluting the rivers and the oceans. And at the same time, we are completely destroying one of the major things that is required in this industry, which is the human capital, the people that are stitching and putting these clothes together, that are weaving it day in and day out. And they deserve to be treated fairly in all aspects of their life. And fair trade, make sure that that happens. That's one of the the, the core principles of fair trade. And so I just wanted to let you know that. Get a little information about fair trade because it really is one of the solutions to this problem. Another one is the, of course, fair payment, right? That's another principle of fair trade is that we want them to have fair prices. We want it fair wages. We want local living wages. We want them to be able to afford to be able to live and take care of their families. Because it is absolutely ridiculous that like a sweatshirt is $250 to buy. And yet, you only paid 50 cents to make it. So that worker that made it could only get $100, $200 a month to live on. That's ridiculous. It has to stop. Another one of the issues around fair trade is child labor. So we want to take away child labor and forced labor. We don't want organizations that don't adhere to the conventions created by the United Nations on the rights of children, keeping them out of situations where we create sweatshops to make shoes and clothes at super cheap prices because we're using labor in countries that don't actually meet those human rights standards. So that's another issue with fair trade that it's taking on, right? It also has a commitment to non-discrimination gender equality, and women's economic empowerment because of the fact that a lot of the workers in these factories are women. One of the main issues in these countries is that the government 
because it's so tied into politics and economics, if these workers were to, are to protest, like what happened in Cambodia a few years ago, the workers in these factories decided to protest for fair wages. They tried to protest because of the unsafe working conditions. And the government came in in riot gear, launching an assault against these protesters, killing some of them, injuring a lot more, and just kind of delivering this message to the world that's like, money is more important than your life, than your livelihood, than your family. And that, to me, is... It's so incredibly sad, and it has a solution, and fair trade is the answer. Now, another one of the principles, I know we're just, I'm just moving through these so that you can understand a little bit about what fair trade is, because I want, you, I want to inspire you to go look it up. I want, you, I want to inspire you to look up fair trade and some of the clothing lines that use fair trade, and then what we can do is if we raise this awareness and we get enough people to know about it, we're going to put the pressure on the major brands to do to follow suit. Because really, I mean, it really is as simple as providing fair wages, not using child labor, making sure the working conditions are good, making sure that, you know, you have enough safety that's taken into consideration when you're building these. And that we respect our environment so that we're not destroying the planet at the same time. So we're not like in Bangladesh dumping tons and tons and tons of chromium into the water that's creating, you know, so that they can bleach the leather and treat the leather for your freaking shoes, you know. And then all of a sudden this entire village is run rampant with all types of diseases and cancers and, you know, all different types of skin conditions. And they're born with, you know, uh, with mental disabilities and physical disabilities. And all these children are just suffering in these villages because of the fact that we're dumping chemicals from these factories right in their backyard. It's completely destroying the land so they can't eat, right? All the food that they're eating is being, you know, saturated with all these chemicals. So we have to do better. We have to do better. And we can And the answer is fair trade. Now, I know in future episodes that we're going to be discussing this issue and I'm going to be reaching out to some of my friends in the fair trade community. and We're going to be having interviews and we're going to be further discussing this because I know that I've only scratched the surface, right? I've only scratched the surface of this issue and I want to dive deep. I want to get to know the people that are on the front lines and that actually have, you know, more thought out and more educated and more intelligence on this issue so that I can bring you through this podcast some solutions. But I know that fair trade is a starting place for this issue when it comes to uh, fashion and hip hop and how we can make this world a better place. Because if we start promoting and encouraging artists that are coming up and even encouraging the icons that are out there right now with their fashion brands to go fair trade and they start making it known that they're doing it and they're promoting that, we can influence these major brands to follow suit and do the same. Because that's how this whole system works. It really is. I understand that it's all about money at the same time, but this is the problem, right? The consumer has all the power. We don't feel like we do because we feel like we're just one person. But if we make waves 
of consumer choices. If we change the behavior of consumers, we will absolutely change the behavior of those supplying us with the products, the goods, and the services. All right, so I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to roll you out on this beat. So please join me in the next episode. I love you all. Take care. And please, let's make this a fair world. All right, see you next time.